0: Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues.
1: This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea, it's business, but it's personal.
0: Welcome to Jazz Shapers, I'm Elliot Moss. It's where the shapers of business meet the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My guest today, I'm very pleased to say, is Adam Brown, founder and creative director of Allabar Brown, the British clothing brand specialising in tailored men's swim shorts and mine too. Adam has admitted to previously having no vocation. I couldn't stick at anything until I was 40 years old, he said. He'd moved from charity fundraising to his first ambition, photography, but after seven years as a portrait photographer, commissioned by Harper's, The Telegraph, Tatler and more, Adam realised in his words, I was a rubbish photographer. I'd been photographing someone's kitten in their dining room and I thought, this is going absolutely nowhere. It was whilst holidaying with friends in 2005 that Adam noticed the women in his group looked great in fashionable, well-fitting swimwear, but the men had unflattering surfer shorts or trunks. Nothing, he recalls, you could wear to lunch afterwards. Despite having no retail or fashion experience, Adam and friend Julia simpson Olibar, who later left the company, launched Olibar Brown in 2007 as a tailored approach to men's swim shorts, the short you can swim in, and I can testify that's true. Adam grew the company into a global brand, sales quadrupling when James Bond, Daniel Craig to his friends, wore a pair of of Olibar Brown swim shorts in Skyfall back in 2012. We'll be talking to Adam in a few minutes about all of this, their design-your-own service, and his plans for a swim short made from 90% ocean source recycled plastic. We've also got brilliant music from Eddie Harris, P.P. Arnold and Ray Charles. That, ladies and gentlemen, is today's Jazz Shapers. Here's Donald Byrd and the Blackbirds with the brilliant Do It Fluid. That was Donald Byrd and the Blackbirds with Do It Fluid. Adam Brown is my business shaper. He's the co-founder of All About Brown. I've already admitted I have some of his clothes and I have for a while. So it's fantastic to meet the man who's made made me happy and millions of other people. How are you?
2: Very well. Thank you for inviting me. Absolute pleasure.
0: Um, tell me the real story, Adam, of why you set this business up. It can't be quite how I describe it.
2: Well, I was, I was interested by the first comment, your, one of your opening paragraphs, there is this wide held sort of misconception that i was you know, I'm the type of person who stares at people around the pool but actually the <laughs> the, the, the the moment that kicked off the the thought process about all of my brand was i was turned away for lunch at a restaurant uh, for, uh, where i was to go and have lunch at a hotel i was wearing my swim shorts and i wasn't allowed in and so it was that thought of i want a short i can swim in rather than a swim short that was rather than me looking around um mm. staring at people on around a pool
0: now that's a that's a fair enough thought. And um, some of us have had similar thoughts, not about that, but about anything. And it's a thought. And then you go to lunch and you go, or you go back to your room, you find a pair of, you know, chinos or something, you stick them on, and you don't think about it anymore. You went a little bit further than that, Adam. And we're sitting here, however many, 10, 12 plus years later, you sold your business to Chanel last year, you've had investments since 2015. You went and did something about the idea. Why?
2: Well, I think, I, get, I think, as you said, you know, I was 40 years old, and you definitely get to a point in your life where either you're not enjoying what you're doing, or it's, you know, it's not giving you satisfaction, mm. or you're rubbish at it. And I was definitely at that point. You know, it's, I was getting no satisfaction from what I was doing. I was a pretty rubbish photographer. And I wasn't making any money. I had a mortgage, you know, all the, all the things that everyone, everyone else has. And I just had to make something work. So I think when you get to that age and you've that sort of pressure it definitely drives you on this thing can't fail you've got you have to make this work and that was definitely an element in you know when i when i started OB as to it had to it had to happen
0: and there was no sense growing up that you were going to be an entrepreneur because no. all the other i mean as you you know as i mentioned you were a fundraiser over here you yeah. did a bit of i mean it was yeah. Like... No, that's
2: absolutely true i mean I, I was one of those people i had absolutely no career path at all i enjoyed doing stuff but i wasn't particularly good at it but there was nothing i particularly loved i I've weirdly, I'm, the, I'm an ultimate consumer, you know, I buy too much, I love the way things are made, I love shopping, I like uh, just looking at stuff, whether it's furniture or clothes or... Just tell me um, about the trainers, though,
0: just for a moment, so you, you, when you like a pair of trainers or anything, you don't buy one, you buy, how many, would you say? Um, no, well, that's a
2: particular <laughs> example, I've got three pairs of a, a style I've just bought. But, yeah. um,
0: but that's a, I mean, that's... That's sp- I like
2: walk everywhere.
0: Okay, but it's pretty specific behaviour, yeah. like obviously you, are, yeah. you, are, you yeah. love shopping and things. But did you unintentionally find yourself doing something where you're in your element and f- forget the fact that it's all about brown? But just being your own boss, yeah, doing no, the, your own thing,
2: absolutely. No, I, I I enjoyed the things I did learn when I uh, was doing the other things. I was working freelance, you know, working for myself, being your own boss, making every and being allowed to make every decision you want to make, uh, not being responsible or answerable to other people. In the early days, was definitely uh, something I enjoyed, and I think the also the challenge was weirdly, I had this thing, you know, every time I suggested the idea of a tailored swim short to my friends, I was greeted with howls of derision and everyone laughed at me. It did kick me on, you know, I thought, I am going to prove you wrong. I am going to try and make this happen. And the first thing you did
0: about going, I want to find a short, I can... Oh, well, the very first, yeah, so, very so first. the very
2: first thing, so after the, so I came back from the holiday, I did some market research, which was fundamentally just shopping. And then I did a three day start your own fashion business course. And I did a one week drawing course. So I did a, a starter in fashion business course so I could learn about cash flow and seasons and sourcing and all those sort of ba- the basic elements. And then this uh, one week a summer school course at, um, actually at St. Martin's so I could get information to a pattern cutter. Because really I had an idea in my head as to what I wanted these shorts to look like. But I had no idea as how I was going make to make it become a physical item, physical thing.
0: Stay with me to find out what happened next when Adam Brown uh, took on the courses and decided to go and prove his friends wrong. And I think the laughter and the derision was probably the thing that might have just kickstarted him a little bit harder. Time to stop music right now before we go back to Adam. It is Eddie Harris with Listen Here. <laughs> was eddie harris with listen here my business shaper today is adam brown he's the co-founder of all of brown they make incredibly nice stuff to wear mainly men am i right men all men men. good all men all men because i know it talks to me i wasn't sure if it talked to to women too so we were talking about the original idea we were talking about what you then went and did and you went back to school as it were briefly and then what because the man who hasn't been in the fashion world then has to create something if he hasn't yeah. got the material
2: in his in his hands, well, you he's... treat it like um, I always uh, think of it as you know when you when you have to renovate a house or you have to do some you have to find a plumber and an electrician you have to find someone to do the roof someone to whatever you need to do mm. and essentially you know you need fabric I need a factory I need to get some hardware and how do you find that so you just you just start asking you know, great resources asking people people are remarkably generous with their knowledge and their introductions but I have had m- memorable evenings you know staying in 17 pound a night hotels uh, outside toulouse going to trade shows and you know, just going to stands trying to get them to sell you some fabric you know obviously everyone's very skeptical at the beginning when you're just starting out but it's nothing cleverer than that you know i had to find mm-hmm. a fabric supplier i had to find a side fastener that i liked i tried to find a factory um and that was the most difficult bit you know getting a sample made which looks like the idea you have in your mind at that point when you've got nothing to show for it is, is, was the big challenge.
0: I remember reading about James Dyson and indeed um, in, a, in a former life work with his company mm-hmm. and the, the little scriggles he had, the thousands and thousands and thousands of drawings. You talked about going on the drawing course. Were you like that? Were you a man obsessed with, well, hold on, it should be a bit more like Well, it
2: wasn't quite that because I, had, I actually weirdly had a, the an amazing, the clarity that I had of this pr- one product, you know, the, the swim short, our classic swim shorts. Was just there from the beginning, so I, I did. I still have those original drawings, and they're remarkably simple. You know, they're just very basic line drawings with measurements and you know, sort of a few instructions. But that process was relatively easy. Ending up, I've ended up in a factory in North London, which was great. And this amazing Eastern European woman who helped me make these shorts become a reality. She sat through and made the samples, and she did our first runs.
0: And once you had those first runs, where did you go with them?
2: Oh, I started. So I started online. And that was purely because I, where else would you start? You know, I didn't have any wholesale accounts. I didn't, we clearly didn't have a shop. So I, I built a website. Oh, I found somebody who'd built me a website. And that was another part of this journey is, you know, not having any experience, not having any knowledge of it. But it's just a learning curve. You've got to ask the right people. You clearly make so many mistakes and do things. You do things very differently now to how you would then, but it just gets you to a better place. It enables that progress to start happening.
0: When did you realise that you might be onto something? When was there a oh, feeling a, like?
2: Well, the idea was in two thousand and five. We launched in two thousand mm. and seven, and we did. I launched online, and we were doing a few sales here and there. And we had a storage unit in West London, which I did all the orders from. But I think the first time I did a couple, I managed. To, I got into Colette, you know, the fabulous store in Paris, and I got into Shopper Bluebird on the King's Road mm. here. You know, the, the tiny orders. But I think then I did some. You know, getting into Selfridges was clearly. Uh, one of those moments, you know, when you have get into a department store and they start repeat or you know, I had to do sale or return for the first couple of orders, then you say, then you manage to get into yeah. being a proper order, and that's when you have the benefit of footfall when you have people seeing the product and they are coming back and buying. And I used to go on the shop floor every Saturday, and whenever I could, and talk to customers, to try it on, get them to try it on, see what they looked like, see what they'd get their comments, and that's just part of the you know understanding all of that, but listening to how customers what they thought when they put the product on was absolutely key to understanding, actually, this might work.
0: And when you spoke to Selfridges, how did you convince them
2: to sell it? Well, stop I didn't. It? I had to do sale or return. We did sale or return. But they bought, but, and you didn't care because you're going, well, Selfridges, this is obviously a fabulous yeah, place. But you've got to, yeah, but I think you've got to take some risks. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to get product in front of people. And, you know, if that was the I tried many times to get into many department stores. And in the early days, you know, they've got to have the, the confidence you're actually going to, the product's going to sell. And to enable soldiers to have that, they, I did a solar return. But I'm you know, not saying that was the best way or the right way, but that's just the way mm. that we did it. But it worked. So when you ask what was the moment, that was certainly the first moment where I thought, okay, this this might work.
0: Do you think the different things that you did before, whether you know, scattergunny stuff over here, was actually one of the best things that that has prepared you for the last 14 years?
2: Well, I don't know. Well, I used to, you know, I used to work, I used to sell houses at one point. So having a sales background, definitely yeah. the photography, you know, having a visual sense and, you know, understanding. I had a very clear idea of what all of our brands should look like and what all of our brands should sound like very mm-hmm. early on. So, you know, obviously the photography, the image making, the branding, all that sort of thing came relatively naturally, even if things like building a website and getting traffic to a website and Getting checkout to work was more challenging.
0: Stay with me for more from my guests. It's Adam Brown, he's the co-founder of about Brown. He's coming up in a few more minutes. But first, let's hear a taster from the latest news sessions podcast, which can be found on all of the major podcast platforms. Mish hayley Haley. Geffen explores the world of blockchain and how it affects you and your business.
1: The news sessions, hosted by Haley Geffen. In partnership with Mish it's business, but it's personal.
3: Hello, I'm Hayley Geffen, and you're listening to the News Sessions from Mishkondorea, where we take a look at a key area of law hitting the headlines. Today, we're talking about blockchain. What is blockchain, and why should we care? Well, it might just be the future of transactions, and let's face it, we all make a lot of those. Here to discuss is corporate lawyer Tom Grogan from Mishkondorea. If we look ahead to the future, perhaps homes are being bought and sold using blockchain – where else do you think there will be a key change in terms of blockchain's use and the fact that you know, we'll look back and think, oh, wasn't it ridiculous we used to do it a different way?
2: I guess I question whether or not that eventuality will ever happen. Um, I'm not sure everyone will need to know what blockchain is or why blockchain is or how it works. How many men on the street or women on the street can explain what TCIP is? Yeah. Very I mean, few. Not me. Yeah, Very not few. Me. Well, <laughs> and yet they're comfortable using the internet every day. And they're comfortable using the protocols that underpin the internet and, and make it secure and make it safe and make it work. I see blockchain as, at the moment, it's this, this newfangled thing that everyone feels like they should know about and feels like they should understand. My hope is that in 10 years' time, my mum still doesn't know what blockchain <laughs> is. And yet she's comfortable enough trading her personal data via a platform that just
3: so happens to be underpinned by. A blockchain, or and, and has a real benefit platform. to that user without them needing to absolutely get Pe- really nosy. People about how don't, it works.
2: and arguably shouldn't care about technology. They care about solutions and how it makes their life easier. And that's where I think we'll we'll see blockchain.
1: The news sessions in partnership with Mishcon Find more of the news sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishcon it's business, but it's personal.
0: There are many ways for you to enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and indeed to hear this programme again with Adam. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, you can enjoy the full archive there. But back to today, it's Adam Brown, founder and creative director of all of our Brown, the British clothing brand, specialising in tailored men's swim shorts. Now, let's talk about the swim bit of it and where one starts. We've, we've talked about the one short Mm. Is it important that you started with one rather than launching a, a collection?
2: Yeah, I think that's a so I think that's a fundamental point as to how why all of our brown actually had a chance of succeeding. I think the last it's very difficult if you're launching a whole collection or you're launching a whole range at one point, it's very difficult to get the customer to focus and to understand what that is about. But I think for in our case, a tailor we had one product in four lengths. And having a very clear message, a tailored swim short. You know, I believe that is better than the voluminous baggy boxer short. I don't understand that. Mm. And I just, that's the only message I told, you know, it's all about the fit. If something fits you, it's more flattering. If it fits you and it's more flattering, you will look good and you will feel good. Mm. It's not an easy, it's an easy message to understand. And just having that one short, uh, the customer, it focused them in on that. Ironically now, you know, we launched the t-shirts and the polos in 2010 and now swim's only about 30% of the business. But having that hero product that the customer identifies mm. you with, you know, you've mentioned the shorts a few times, but we're not a swim, we're a resort holiday wear brand, mm. and, but people know us for our swim shorts. I think that's been, having, you know, if you think back to the, the Burberry trench coat, the Birkin not number yeah. five, all those... They brands, have an iconic... They have an piece. iconic hero thing. Yeah. And with us, hopefully, you know, it's the classic short.
0: How did you know when to move away from the classic short? When was enough time enough?
2: I didn't. I didn't know a thing. I don't think anything about what I... The <laughs> sequence of product, new product coming in, opening stores, in the early days wasn't any way planned. It wasn't. It was purely instinctive, and I went with my gut. But I definitely, um, you know, I had pictures of a toweling polo shirt... In my, in my mind, that I went with these shorts. You know, it's all very well having the shorts, but what do you wear with the shorts? So a T-shirt, a pique polo, a toweling polo, which a toweling is my favorite fabrics, is they just... It took three years. You mm-hmm. know? So it was three years just selling shorts, and that gave the shorts a good... Um,
0: a chance, yeah, chance, chance to, to establish to themselves. Exactly. And, and in terms of the expertise that you surrounded yourself with, and in those early years and then moving on, and we'll come and talk about investors and stuff finding that team critical was it again instinctive or were you given lots
2: no, of help i think the the key my advice always is to when people when they're starting out a business like all about brown this is not relevant for all businesses but doing everything yourself you know i was by myself for two and a half years and you know whether it's doing customer service whether it's doing production whether it's dealing with the agency that's doing the website whether it's trying to deal with the money side of it doing it yourself and understanding the issues involved is clearly the a good way of understanding the fundamentals of the business. Later on, you know, bringing people in. I've always been a real believer about getting other people involved. Things like warehousing or IT or financial part of the business is not my expertise, but getting the right people in to do the interviewing for you, mm. and getting them to help you with things like job descriptions and meeting people. And instruct. if I interview people for the roles I don't understand, I'm not going to get the right people. So it's this Bringing, not being afraid to ask people for favours, not being afraid to ask people for time. People are remarkably generous, or they will say no, and that's fine.
0: And in terms of obviously... The... I think
2: it's also just being very aware of what you are good at and what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. You know, A lot of founders or people who start businesses, they have this sort of power thing. They want to do everything themselves. They don't want to relinquish any form of control or responsibility. And actually, there's nothing, providing you bring the right people in, it clearly makes the... Things go faster,
0: but in terms of success, yeah. important to know where you want to go and how have you handled the long-term vision since the beginning of of where the business needs to go.
2: Yeah, so I was very clear uh, right from the very beginning. You know, I'd been through a couple of careers, I'd done various things. I was forty years old. I had a very clear definition of success. I knew I did not want. You know, my definition of success was not having five hundred stores and X thousand employees and being doing that route. My Definition of success was creating something, enabling it to get to a a point where it was with us in a safe pair of hands that they could lead on it going on. Also, my personal definition of success, you know, I've never been the person who wants the private jet and the the yacht and Mm. all that. What I want, you know, my I wanted a house in Cornwall. I wanted to have a pension. I wanted to have some security. I wanted to be able to pay the bills. You know, having been forty with nothing, with no money, Um, just sort of. That was my definition of success. So, And every decision you make, if if you define success as that and you want to have X amount at the end of the sale, then every decision you make should get you to that point, not to the point where you have 500 stores and X thousand employees. And And it's just, once you're happy with that, it, it frees you up to do it the way you want to do it.
0: Stay for more from My Business Shaper. It's Adam Brown, co-founder of All of Barbara Brown. Time for some music right now. It's P.P. Arnold with The First Cut is the Deepest.
1: I would have given you all of my But there's someone who's torn it apart And he's taken almost all that I've got But if you wanna try to love her
0: That was P.P. Arnold with The First Cut Is The Deepest, and P.P. Arnold will be performing live on Jazz Shapers next Saturday for our Jazz Shapers Live Session 2019. I'm going to be joined by the chairman and co-founder of Rocco Forte Hotels, Sir Rocco Forte, alongside P.P. Arnold, her band, and a live and very excitable audience. Don't miss it. That's next Saturday at 9. But right now, right here, it's Adam Brown. He is in the Jazz Shapers house, founder and creative director of of Allabar Brown, the British clothing brand. There's the word British, whatever that means for an international brand like yours. Let's talk about... um, the investors that have come along so you, you mentioned and I think I can tell that you're not that kind of guy you mentioned that some founders hold a very tight grip on every part of the business and you said well obviously that's not going to work for you because you, you know what you know you know you know what you don't know as well you know what you're good at and so on tell me about the role of the investors as they come through the business and why you took them on at the time
2: okay well I think there's there's various levels to that if you go right back to the very beginning there's a clearly a confidence thing about trying to get all of our brand to work mm not having financial acumen, not being interested in all the operational stuff in the business. You know, I'm a storyteller. I love products. I love marketing. I love customer service, all that sort of thing. But I think just being aware of what you're good and what you're not good at, how do you fill those gaps? You know, we were running out of money. You know, in the early days when it was just me, you know, clearly money was very tight. And how to make things like margin, things like selling to the US, tax, import, export, all that sort of thing. It's very difficult for someone like me to sort of get through that, but mm. you do. And I think just finding certain things, of areas of expert where you need support, and you need help, and you need guidance, and you need discipline and things. And you've got to be aware of that. If you don't want it, you're not going to allow it in. And I, I did want it in, but that might be due to lack of confidence overall mm. and all that sort of thing.
0: Have you got more confidence now, Adam? Um,
2: I know what I, I've got clarity about what I'm better at. and what, what I, I've got clarity around that. But I think I'm one of those people where, you you know, I think if you're worried about stuff, then I think you're going to make it better. You're going to do do a better job. I'm one of those. But I think the role of investors is key. I've been through, I went through Angel. I've been through private equity and now obviously with Chanel last year. But the, I think it's the most important relationship that any business is going to have. I've been very fortunate. I've made good choices. I backed out of one. I thought it wasn't the right decision.
0: And have you found people on the on the side of the money that you liked and that you could work with?
2: Yes, quite definitely. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, been, you know, the, uh, the angel investor who I uh, the angel investor who I originally approached had been uh, recommended to, or suggested to me by quite a few people, and it took me again two or three times, two or three times to get a meeting or to talk to get them to to see me and then to try and sell the idea. And but I think I knew that they were, I knew they were the. Person or the sort of person who I wanted to invest in all of our brand, just not only on an expertise, but on a personality level. You know, you've got these, you're inviting these people into your business mm. and you have to be able to, you're building a relationship with them. So I think, um, you know, they were absolutely, you know, giving, uh, helping with, their, in that case, it was about digital marketing, it was about online experience, it was about the website, it was about getting traffic to the website, mm. convert, all those sort of things. And the next part, you know, when I did the private equity round, that was about organisational structure roles and responsibilities professionalising the business you know by that point we were a fairly headstrong slightly ramshackle but very exciting you know start up where, where there was huge amounts of energy and everyone was very excited about it, but we were, didn't have that sort of organisational mm. structure, and we hadn't looked to roll people, and we hadn't looked at what. But you we you were needed. ready.
0: You were ready to hear. Absolutely, categorically. Yeah. No, yeah.
2: th- no, that's what I definitely. What, I, what to, I knew, we wanted. Yeah. To, I knew, you know, we knew we needed to do that. Do that.
0: And then Chanel. I mean, one of the biggest, most famous, iconic fashion houses in the world. I mean, it must be. Uh, did you engineer
2: that in terms of their their role in the business? No, though? I mean, for me, yeah, clearly there's. Chanel's fantastic, but it's not about it's about having a say uh, people who have shared DNA values, culture, all that. That's the most important thing when you start something like Oliver Brown. That particular that thing started through a, a drinks party in Paris. You know, that that's literally how it, I didn't I was not seeking out anyone. And it actually happened the first introduction, the first meeting. I met this person at a drinks party five years before anything happened. And it was weirdly during the time when the private equity investment happened. And they, and I had, we met at the drinks party. We just, we met up again, had a coffee. Then I got introduced to somebody else. And we just, it was a gradual getting to know you process over a few years. And then when we, and no, very irregular, once a year, whatever, you know, we just meet up. And then when we, we decided we wanted, we were going to do something with all of our brand, obviously got in touch. And very fortunately we managed to go to work.
0: Stay with me for our final chat with Adam Brown. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Ray Charles. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. (laughs)
0: I like Ray Charles, that was Ray Charles, jaunty number, Mary Ann. I'm with Adam Brown just for a few more minutes. He's the founder or co-founder rather of of Brown, creative director now uh, as well. I think you always called that because it sounds like yeah. it was, you're the creative person. So ownership is an interesting thing. You are the person who's brought this baby into the world. The baby is now approaching from a, a corporate point of view beyond adolescence. It's become a bit of an adult Um, still has a sense of huge creativity. You've got more than just the shorts by a long way. You said 30% of the businesses swim, the rest isn't. And now you're with um, a big fashion house, a big house, um, very well known. What's it like being the founder of the business inside of a a, a big, well-known, iconic company? And you are now iconic as well yourself. How do you find that works for you? Have you got the freedom still?
2: Yes. Nothing has really fundamentally changed on a day-to-day basis within all of our brand. Clearly, you know, having security of ownership by Chanel gives people confidence, you know, whether to work with you or to help you or to do things. But on a day-to-day level, absolutely nothing's changed. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities have been opened up around sourcing. You know, mm. clearly they do accept great bag, they have great bag factories, shoe factories, uh, skin care, all, all those sort of things which we could do in the future. And, you know, expertise around retail, knowledge of global, you know, mm. The whole store, thing. It just works.
0: Rue Gambon is a rather beautiful store. Yeah, so a very, very beautiful
2: store that I look at very, I mean, very <laughs> I mean, and that staircase is probably the most famous it's staircase gorgeous. in the world. Absolutely
0: yeah. stunning. Yeah. The, the world has changed around us and it's rapidly moved towards, obviously, a digital world mm. and also a world that is much more conscious about climate change. Mm. And the fashion industry actually is embracing it but also being pulled along. You're doing something about that because I imagine it. It's from a value point. of view, important, values point. of view, important, that you are sustainable or as, you, as as sustainable as you can, yeah. as you can be. Well, what, we, are you, what are you What are you up to now on that front?
2: Well, I think there are two uh, two strands to that. One, you know, this fixed. So we have these words "holiday better," which is what we do, which is our sense of purpose. And that there's this key word "better." We should all just always just be doing things better. And on a product level, there are two ways of looking at it. On a product level, it's just good housekeeping. You know, if you're not doing it, it's just wrong. You know but that's not the bit that we should be proud that we necessarily should be talking about to customers i think it's just good housekeeping so we've got off it's taken us two years to actually find a short to get find a way of making our swim shorts in ocean reclaimed or industrial waste uh, plastics and that's a very long process but pretty much as you said earlier it's about 90 percent now and it'll launch next year And we're very excited about it. But there's a bigger piece, you know, for a brand like all of our brand, you know, to wear all of our brand product, you have to get on an airplane, you might be on a boat, you're staying in a hotel, which is contributing to climate change. You know, that, for me, is a challenge. You know, you've got to think, you have to think about that. It's not just making shorts and T-shirts and polos, but how do you encourage, excite and enable your customers to holiday better? How could they holiday in a different way how mm-hmm. could they you, you could do things and have great fun doing things and i think if we can influence or have uh, an opinion on that part of how they wear the shorts and where they wear the shorts and what they're doing when they wear the shorts that's hugely important rather than just making the shorts out of recycled plastic bottles which is you should just be doing that anyway so there's two bits you know this other the second bit I think it's the massively exciting area, mm. whereas packaging, products... It's just hygiene. Logistics. You, just, just, good, you just need to do it.
0: Y- you mentioned worrying a lot, Adam, and now here you are. You've got success under your belt. You're not the 40-year-old guy who was looking, going, i got to make this work. You've made it work. You've made it work again and again, and you've built something which... It's all I love. smoke
2: and mirrors. I know it yeah. is, but it's you have
0: got to compliment mirrors. you a little yeah. bit before we finish. No, but, but seriously, I mean, it may well be smoke and mirrors, but it's incredible, and I'm sure you do get people saying thank you for bringing this brand into the world. Thank you, it's brilliant, but it really is. You're not done though. You're going to
2: carry on worrying, aren't you? And I kind of go, why?
0: Yes. I mean, you can relax no, a bit, can't enjoy you? Know? It. Can't yeah. you? Oh, you do. You? Yeah,
2: no. I think if you, what are you going to do? You know, you enjoy life. <laughs> You're going to get on. I enjoy. I enjoy what I do. Yeah. I enjoy what I do. I like doing it. Do you enjoy the worry though, as well? It strikes me you well, do. Well, weirdly, bit. I think I do. Yes. Yeah, I think well, yeah. you need a worry, don't you? Yeah, you need so to I, think it, I do get slightly jumpy if I'm not worried. <laughs> you,
0: wor- <laughs> you worry about the fake I nothing to worry yes, about. I do. You're a brilliant worry, like a professional. Yes. Listen, don't worry a bit, but don't worry too much. Enjoy it as well, because seriously, you've, you've you've created something really special in a relatively short period of time. Just before I let you go. He's looking at me going, don't do this, Elliot. I want to worry. Don't tell me anything nice, please. Stop it. Um, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it?
2: So my song choice is Roy Ayers and it's Everyone Loves the Sunshine. And it might seem like an obvious choice, but it actually does have a history for for me. And when I was a child, we used to drive to, Well, my dream for OB to get out of OB was to have a house in Cornwall. Mm. And as a child, my grandmother used to drive us to Cornwall. Take, she'd take a house for a month every summer. And in those days, it used to take two days to drive from Winchester to Cornwall in a Volkswagen Beetle. And, of course, my sister and I were permanently fighting in the car. And my grandmother used to put these cassettes on where she would try and jolly us up. And there was this song, and this was one of the songs that I always remember that we used to try and sing to on our way to Cornwall. And then I rediscovered it this summer when I'd bought my house in Cornwall. And we were going down there, and suddenly it came on the radio, and it brought back all the memories of those trips, 40 years ago
0: you've described it as bleak wild and incredibly romantic i don't know if he's talking about you or the destination <laughs> here it is just for you That was Roy Ayers with Everybody Loves the Sunshine, the song choice of my business shaper today, Adam Brown. Talk about being focused on a creative vision. If you've got one, you've got to stick with it and believe in it. He also talked about being DIY, do it yourself, get involved with the business, understand it, understand your consumers and what they want so that you can really deliver and develop your product. And finally, have your own definition of success and what it means to you. Because if you have that clarity, everything else follows. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a great weekend.
1: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
0: We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash Jazz Shapers.